to At The Crossroads for this week. I hope you all had a wonderful weekend to bring in the summer solstice. And for those fathers amongst us, I hope you spend some quality time with your kids. And indeed, if there's any kids listening, well, I hope you spend some quality time with your fathers. (laughs) Uh, On today's show, I'll be doing a brief focus on the music of East County Clare which, like several other regions in Ireland, historically has a musical style associated with it. County Clare is situated in the southwest of Ireland and has a number of styles within its perimeters. West Clare, which is on the Atlantic coast, North Clare, which encompasses places such as the fishing village of Doolan, and East Clare, which is near the South Galway border and nestles towns and villages such as Tulla and Fiegel. A style from the Fergus Valley which includes the playing of fiddlers Joe Ryan and Bobby Casey, amongst others, has also been written about by Clare native, the author Garrod O'Halveron, but today I'll just be focusing on the musicians who play in what is deemed the East Clare style. Mary McNamara equates the style in East Clare with the landscape found there and says the following in her contributions to the book Music in Ireland by Dorothy E. Hast and Stanley Scott. It's absolutely beautiful countryside and it has a nice kind of quiet wildness in it as well. It has a beauty that has not been touched. But if you listen to the likes of P. Joe Hayes, God rest him, Paddy Canny, people like that playing music. And if you look at the landscape, you can actually relate one to the other. There's that rhythm and bounce in the music. That's just here. I think the people themselves here in East Clare, the older people in particular, when they talk to you or when they walk into a room, they have rhythm in their bodies. They're rhythmic people. When they dance, they dance in a lovely bouncy kind of way. And it's just totally different from anywhere else I've seen people dance. They have a lovely lift and the very same thing is in the music. In more recent times with the progress of audio recording and other forms of media, regional styles are no longer alone practiced by the natives of these areas. A fiddle player in the USA, for example, might play in a fashion that links up perfectly with the Sligo manner of playing, as many indeed do. But despite these developments in how music is currently learned and transmitted, many regional elements are still evident in today's players and a sizable portion of younger generation musicians still base their own learning on the elder statesmen of their locality or of the regions which most pique their interest musically. Another quote from the same book emphasises this point. The dissemination of their bright, fast and smooth playing, that, by the way, is in reference to the Sligo fiddlers, Michael Coleman, James Morrison and Paddy Killoran, began a process of standardisation that was augmented by records, radio and competitions. While many feared the dilution of regional styles by the hegemony of the Sligo approach, there is renewed interest today in maintaining and celebrating regional differences. It's also important to remember that there are many variants within each region and that each individual player has a personal style developed over time from all the musical influences and experiences that that shape his or her life. So take our first track today then. That was a selection of reels from Martin Hayes on fiddle and Mary McNamara on concertina, who both hail from East Clare. Although this was recorded in 1981, when both were still teenagers, their upbringing amongst older generations of East Clare musicians, such as Martin's father, PJ Hayes, 
Joe Ban and Paddy Canny has meant that the style has seeped into their own playing very evidently and organically. I first came across that clip on a compilation DVD released by RTE called Come West Along the Road featuring a store of great footage from the archives. Some 15 years on from first hearing it, I still get shivers down my spine listening to that duet. John Nocton's Reel and The Cottage in the Groves, a tune composed by the uh, Galway musician Tommy Cohn. For the rest of today's programme, I'll highlight tracks from a number of the greats of East Clare music. And first up is a man from Fecal, a whistle player, the aforementioned Joe Ban. Martin Hayes never ceases to mention the far-reaching influence that Joe Ban had on his music. The seeming simplicity of Joe's music worked in tandem with a beautiful musicality, rhythm and spirit that one can't help but hear when listening to him play. His sparse but effective use of ornamentation is a typical staple of East Clare music, as is his emphasis on phrasing. He played unusual versions of otherwise common tunes and also had a like for very basic tunes that don't require much technical prowess to play, for example the breeches full of stitches, a simple polka. And yet, even hearing Ban play something like this was a pure joy as his love for the music effortlessly spilled forth. Here's a few examples of Joe Ban's playing from a private recording done by one Jim Brody in 1983. First up, we have a simple polka titled I Have a Bonnet Trimmed with Blue. It's played at a slow pace and the focus is on bringing across that beautiful melody line. Nothing pretentious, just honest-to-God music. Afterwards, we'll get examples of his inventive versions of common reels, the New Moan Meadows and then a set, The Morning Dew and Joe Cooley's Reel. The New Moan Meadows is titled in my collection as Pat Canny's and I wonder if that is his source. I'm hearing maybe some influences from pipes in this version, but with the lack of pipers in East Clare at the time, this may be an oversight on my part. At any rate, you should take note of how he phrases the tune. There's some very long breaths, octave jumps, and the use of crotchets and minims in the rhythm which give it a different flow than using the usual quavers. The pace again is very relaxed and ornamentation is sparse but well placed. In the set, The Morning Dew and Coolies, we find that the playing's more quaver based. But what an incredible work he's done with the melody on Coolies. Not only has he numerous turns of phrase that are interesting study in variation, but in the B part, he actually consistently misses out a half bar, making it a crooked tune, which is most unusual. Fascinating stuff. And then we'll finish this selection with a lovely march called Bonaparte Crossing the Alps.
a selection there from fecal whistle player Joe Ban. Now, it's often said that because Irish music and its related styles existed long before they were ever recorded and documented, it can be difficult to know whether a regional style is genuinely a consequence of a thread running through the musicality of an area, or if it is in fact the lauding of one or two influential musicians in the area who happened to get their music recorded in the early days of recording technology. Paddy Canny from Glendree near Tulla was a very prominent figure in terms of the East Clare style. He played fiddle as taught to him by his father, Pat Canny, who was a contemporary of the fiddler Johnny Allen and of the blind musician and teacher Paddy McNamara. On a visit to Clare in 1906, Francis O'Neill made a specific reference to the high esteem he held for the latter two musicians. With a thread like this extending back into the 19th century, one can understand the attribution by some to the Canny household as being the epicentre and main starting point of the East Clare style, or at least as we know the East Clare style today. Whether or not this holds to be absolute truth doesn't diminish the fact that the Cannies, and Paddy in particular, solidified this style through recordings and performances throughout the 20th century. In 1948, Paddy Canny founded the Tullock Cayley Band along with PJ Hayes, Joe Cooley and Teresa Tuberty and they would go on to be successful in Ireland, winning several All-Ireland titles at the Fla Chiol, and also running a touring schedule which saw them active in the UK and in the US. In 1959, he recorded an LP titled All-Ireland Champions Violin, along with PJ Hayes, Pater O'Loughlin, who's another joint of Clare music, and that well-respected Cayley band pianist Bridie Lafferty. From the 1960s, his commercial output virtually stopped, though private recordings have been released. He went back into the studio in the 1990s then to record his solo album, which was critically acclaimed and released when he was almost 80 years old. The first example I have for you here is from that 1959 LP, a set of reels which has become quite popular since, rolling in the barrel, the tap room and the earl's chair.
set of reels there. Although Paddy's recording career didn't officially restart until his release of traditional music from the legendary East Clare Fiddler album in 1997, a retrospective collection of private recordings was released, of which I have as yet virtually no information on. For now, just enjoy some more of his fiddle playing. First up, the old jig Coppers and Brass, or as it's also known, the humours of Ennis Timon, then two unnamed mazurkas, the second of which may be, in fact, a traditional Mexican tune titled, and forgive me pronunciation here, Chilelito Lindo. Thank you. 
there you had an interesting selection from the great Paddy Canny. Now, I mentioned that Canny was a founding member of the famous Tulla Cayley Band and appearing on TJ Kerr's Gantry programme in 1998 were a trio of other founding fathers of the band to play as a set, PJ Hayes and Francie Donnellan on fiddles, with Sean Donnelly on accordion and the reels, the four chords and rip the calico. Now, I'd really like you to take note, particularly if you play Irish traditional music, of the lovely change into the second tune, where they're starting on the B part, and it gives the effect of going into a tune maybe in C major, or D Dorian, which is a mode of minor. But in actual fact, if they'd started on the A part of the tune, which would be the norm, it would have been a simple change to G major, and maybe wouldn't have been uh, probably as, as, as significant And that's an interesting thing, because for what it's worth, they didn't change the form of the tune. The form of the tune being a three-part reel with each part played once is A, B, C. But they still ended the entire selection on the C part. So they were probably well aware that the tune was the form A, B, C, but made, obviously, a decision to start it on the B part of the tune to get get this nice change. And that's cool stuff. And I'm mad for that kind of messing about, which today, to my ear and to my knowledge, is very much overlooked and seemed to be a thing that older generation musicians took quite a lot of liberty with. So more of that, please. Thank you. 
mighty stuff from the lads there. Now, the fiddle and concertina are generally the instruments associated with the style of music in County Clare. There are pockets of whistle players in Joe Ban, whom you heard, and of course the most well-known, perhaps, Doolan's Michael Russell. Flute players feature in small amounts and perhaps don't necessarily have a strong, unique rudiment to define a style, though one might argue that Michael Turberty and Padre O'Loughlin had such a style, and it's also been said of Eamon Cotter, who would have been heavily influenced by the fiddle playing in the locality. If flute playing has to work hard to get a word in, then piping has a mammoth task. Up until the 1970s or so, Martin Rochford maintains that he was the only piper in East Clare. The massive influence of the travelling Doran family, whom Rochford invited to visit Clare in 1933, had a sure impact on the musicians in the county, not least of them Willie Clancy of West Clare. Although Martin Telty was an active piper in West Clare and Sean Reid had worked a lot to promote piping in the county after immigrating from his Dublin base to work there as a civil engineer with Clare County Council, piping in the county had been seemingly in short supply. Reid's work in the county coincided with efforts in Dublin to resurrect the Pipers Club and it could be said that Clare wasn't alone in its low numbers in the piping fraternity. It reflected a nationwide shortage of which is a study in and of itself. And as a side note, I'm excited to be interviewing Funan McGowan in the coming weeks with regard to the history of the piping tradition and no doubt we'll touch on that matter. To Martin Rochford then, he grew up a close friend of Paddy Canny and it was him who taught Canny how to read music starting with O'Neill's 1001, the famous collection of tunes from Francis O'Neill. He played both fiddle and pipes and it's the latter which we'll have a listen to first from a private tape dated 1984 and kindly posted to YouTube by a Matt Purcell, the real The Blackberry Blossom and then from a separate private recording, The Knotted Chord and The Otter's Halt.
fine piping from Martin Rochford, now onto his fiddling, which as you'll hear has that very lonesome, dark quality of East Clare fiddle playing. You'll hear many similarities with that of Paddy Canny. First up is a hornpipe composed by fellow Clareman and fiddle player Junior Crehan, Cashlon on Oar, or The Golden Castle. Then a jig by the same composer, The Mist-Covered Mountain. And listen to how he extends the timing in this tune. It's incredible. He pushes and constricts the lengths of the notes from bar to bar. Again, something that you just don't hear uh, younger players doing. And, and, and it seems to have been sort of something that's gone out of fashion in the in, in the same way that equal temperament has taken over Irish music in the last hundred plus years. It's the same thing with the timing and the, these little things that, uh, you know, are, are overlooked where, where quite, quite a part of the music back then and, and something that I don't think should be forgotten. And anyway, finally, we're going to have a, 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 one of Paddy Fahey's reels uh, into the humours of Scarif to complete the selection. So here's Martin Rochford. <laughs> Thank you. 
East Clare fiddling there from Martin Washford. Now, I mentioned the flute earlier, and it's probably fair to say that you don't really think of the flute when thinking about music in East Clare, or in Clare in general even. Along the coastal regions, you would have Michael Tuberty down in Kilrush, and up north in Doolan, it's a good deal stronger with the Russell family, Christy Barry, and so forth. But there were... There were flute players, of course, in East Clare, and looking to the early players in the Tullochaley band, you had Paddy O'Donoghue and Michael Falsey as two examples. Um, although Falsey played in the band, in fairness, he was actually from Quilty in West Clare and spent a lot of time playing with musicians in that locality. So we'll focus on Paddy O'Donoghue for today's show. Unusually enough, but not entirely unheard of, was the fact that Paddy played a Bohm system flute instead of the favoured simple system models. Paddy died in 2013, but was active in playing sessions right up until his passing, and he also left behind 35 compositions, which were compiled in a book called Kjol on Chlar, The Music of Clare, and a few informal recordings of his flute playing are to be found on YouTube. Here's an example from 2005, and two of his own reels, Anya's Invitation and The Trip to Peter's Well. I don't know much about either of the tunes, but I wonder if the fact that he went to Peter's Well might have been to visit Joe Cooley, who was indeed from the area. and a selection of his own reels there. There were no doubt countless others involved in the life and music of East Clare over the course of the 20th century, but a number of things are up against me. 
obviously time constraints are one thing, but more frustrating is that certain material is just not accessible for now, or in the case of the coldest archive, accessible, but with a ridiculous watermark or beep that happens every 20 or 30 seconds. It's infuriating. <laughs> One such musician I would love to share the music of today is another joint who deserves an entire show to himself, as many of our previous examples do as well, and his name was John Nocton, a concertina player, and I'm currently striving to find recordings that aren't watermarked or in the possession of other people who had the privilege to know him or knew people that knew him. But so far, no joy. And for now, we'll fast forward the clock for the remainder of the show and have a listen to some of the next generation who brought East Clare music along in a similar trend to the musicians' past. You heard Mary McNamara at the beginning of the show playing in duet with Martin Hayes. Mary's brother Andrew is a fine accordion player in that East Clare style as exemplified in this next selection of tunes, the Otter's Halt and the Concertina Reel. He's accompanied by Brendan Herty on the guitar, a little bit heavy-handed to my ear, but... Fine music nonetheless. Thank you. 
next clip features both Mary and Andrew from an album that they recorded together called Open Hearth. That's hearth as in a fire. They play a jig associated with John Nocton. Andrew McNamara there. From Ennison County Clare, banjo player Kieran Hanrahan made his name as a member of Stockton's Wing in the 1970s and 1980s. He is today well known as the voice of Cayley House on RTE Radio's Saturday Night Programme. With a great understanding of the nuances of his local music, Kieran's banjo playing has always been influenced by the gentle style, particularly in his solo performances since leaving Stockton's Wing. He released his solo album, Kieran Hanrahan Plays the Irish Tenor Banjo, very inventive title indeed, in 1998. And here's a version of the reel, The Girl That Broke My Heart, played in duet with West Clare concertina player, Sonny Murray.
Mark Hanrahan from Clare, who also found a career in radio, is fiddle player Joan Hanrahan, who presents a traditional music show, The West Wind, on Clare FM. From an appearance on Gyantri in 2005, she plays a few jigs with Lissy Casey's Dimpna O'Sullivan on concertina, who sadly passed away in recent years at the untimely age of 49. The presenter on this episode of Gyantri was Tuna's Tola Kusti, and he joined them for a set on the fiddle. Although Tola's music has many contemporary elements in his more recent projects, you can hear from this selection that his roots are never far from home. Here's its selection of jigs, starting with the banks of Loch Gauna and finishing up with a tune by Junior Crean on Lure Godon.
lovely light music there from Joan Dimpton and Tola. Well, we call it a day for this week on At The Crossroads. I hope you've enjoyed the East Clare vibes this week and we'll take a look at the other side of Clare next week, the West and South West. If you're getting anything from what I do here on a weekly basis, please spread the word to your friends. I'm here every week on Acast and Spotify and as always, please email me if you have any suggestions, queries, simply want to say hello or... If you have any recordings of John Nocton <laughs> or anybody else that you'd like to share with me, patrickcumminsmusic at gmail.com and uh, let me know what you're thinking. I'm going to leave you with some music that's very much East Clare in style. It features Dr. Gerald O'Halveron on concertina, who, although a native of Clare, has been resident for many decades in Canada, where he is revered as an author, historian and ethnomusicologist. Joining him on fiddle is Frenchman Patrick Urso, and it's a selection of reels from their laid-back album Tracen, Jack Cockland's and Lady Gordon. And the album is just so good that I couldn't leave it at that, so I've chose to close the show with a set of jigs from the same album, The Jig of Port Fla and Whelan's Old Sow. Have a great week, all of you, and see you next time at the Crossroads. <laughs> Thank you.